Hello and welcome to livealittlehigher.com. Today we read Parashat Tetzaveh and uh, this is like a continuation of last week's Parashat Terumah in which Hashem is commanding Moshe Rabbeinu. Um, he's giving him all the commandments on how to build the Mishkan, the, the tabernacle that went with them through their 40 years in the desert. Then later it was, um, it was a, a put in Shiloh and eventually it says that it's, it's, it's hidden away somewhere. It still exists. So this is a, an eternal uh, Mishkan because it really was built with, uh, with the commandments of Hashem directly to Moshe Rabbeinu and the Jewish people uh, gave everything they had to build this, this tabernacle. So the word Tetzaveh literally means commandment. And uh, as the op opening verse of this parasha, in which it says, and you should command the children of Israel that they should bring to you pure olive oil. And uh, however, Tetzaveh, the word Tetzaveh, is a derivative of the word, word sabsa, which means a connection. It means to connect. And so uh, according to the translation, the verse would read, and you should connect the Jewish people. Also the word mitzvah also has um, this word inside of the word mitzvah that says sva, which is also rooted in sabsa, which also means connection. So every time we do a mitzvah, every time we fulfill a commandment of Hashem, we, what we're doing really is that we're connecting to God because the mitzvah is really the will of Hashem. This is his desire. So when we do his desire, we're connecting to him. This is like I say, this is the 911 number to Hashem. Instead of 911, it's 613, 613 mitzvot. That's the, the connection, the direct, direct number to God. And so we see that Moshe Rabbeinu becomes the spiritual, becomes very strengthened spiritually, and uh, and he's the Jewish leader. And as I'm filming this today, as I'm recording this class today, today is the seventh of Adar, and today is the Yurt side, the anniversary of his death and the anniversary of his birth. Today is a very special day, and uh, I feel honored that I can teach some Torah directly from the Humash, and he's involved today in, in the teaching. So, so we learn from Likutei Tzihot, uh, we learn something very interesting about the message of, of the pomegranate. And this uh, parashas also uh, gives all the indications of the garments that the Kohen Gadol, which in this case was Aaron HaKohen, was Moshe Rabbeinu's brother, he was the high priest, uh, it talks very detailed about his garments, about his clothing. And, um, and the Torah describes in detail how the Kohen Gadol's tunic was to be fashioned upon the hem of it, it says in Shemot, it says, you shall make pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet around its hem, and bells of gold, gold between them all around. A golden bell and a pomegranate. A golden bell and a pomegranate upon the hem of the clock, 
all around it shall be upon Aaron when he comes to minister and its sound shall be heard when he goes into the holy place before God and he will not die so this is interesting like imagine he has this very long tunic and in the hem he has these little pomegranates in the shape of a pomegranate that every time he moves it hits the belt and he makes a lot of noise so every time that the Kohen Gadol that Aaron HaKohen would go and, 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 and go into the holy place before God, he would make a lot of noise. So what's the thing with these pomegranates? And um, they were round and hollow. And between them all around, between every two pomegranates, there was one bell which was attached and hanging at the lower edge of the tunic. So the Rambam asks, if the pomegranates served no practical function, what really was functional was the noise because the whole purpose was that he made a lot of noise when he was going into the holy of holies to perform his service uh, what was the whole thing about the pomegranates why pomegranates and not apples and so the basis of his contention it might be Rashi's explanation, interpretation, that the menorah was studded with decorative apples. And so if there were to be a decorative embellishment to the tunic, it should have been apples, not, not pomegranates. So the question is, why are apples considered to be a more appropriate decoration than the pomegranates? So the purpose of the pomegranates and bells was that, was that its sound shall be heard. This was the whole purpose of this hem being noisy and, and every time he moved it would make noise. And so, so the whole thing was that the significance of this sound was crucial to the extent that it was lacking, that if it was lacking, the Kohen Gadol would have been liable to death at the hands of heaven. So imagine, uh, this is according to Rashi, if he would not have all this noise going around him every time he would go and, um, and, uh, and, uh, and approach the temple services, like lighting the menorah or doing the sacrifices in the altar, everything he did, all his service, then if he was lacking, he would be punish punishable by death. Uh, so the Kohen Gadol's task was to represent the entire Jewish people. He was not only representing the king and the priests and the, and the, and the princes, and he was representing from the highest hierarchy to the lowest hierarchy. From the highest, uh, most learned Jew, the most dignified Jew to the one that knew nothing. So we see that the penitent, he also was representing the Balshuva, the penitent, the, the, that person that has done wrong in his life, that he has done things that are not in accordance to Hashem's desire. And suddenly this person decides to change his negative uh, behavior. He wants to go the other way, 180 degrees to the other side. And he wants to change, he wants to do Teshuvah, he wants to repent, and he wants to change his ways. Um, so he can align himself with Hashem's will. So this, this term from evil is clamorous, it's very noisy. When you have a person that is doing teshuvah, that is changing his lifestyle, that when he never ate kosher, suddenly he's eating kosher, or when he never dressed in a modest way, suddenly he's, or she's dressing in a modest way, and they're keeping Shabbat, and they're suddenly wearing a wig, or wearing a kippah and seat seats, it's noisy. Like, 
everybody around them are like, what happened to him? You know, the family is upset. What's wrong with this person? What's happening to him? It's very noisy. This person makes a lot of noise. It really shakes the ground for everybody. So, so one who flees from death, so it's like someone who flees from death, the penitent returns to God is noisy. Abalshuva makes a lot of noise. So the bells that clang at the hem of the Kohen Gadol's tunic represent the Jews who once dwelled at the bottom. This is the people who were like in the lowest of the lowest. They were in the, in the, in the darkest hole down, down there and far from God. They were very far from God, but, now, but who now are tumultuously returning to God? And if the Kohen Gadol would not have included these Jews in his service, his very life would have been at stake because his essential task and the very reason of his purpose in life, his whole uh, reason of existence, raison d'etre, like they say in French, uh, was to rep represent every Jew, even those who had gone off the derrick, those who had gone uh, astray. So on Yom Kippur, uh, it's a different service. On Yom Kippur, the Kohen Gadol, that was the only time of the year where he could enter the Holy of Holies, the Kodesh HaKodashim, he did not wear these noisy bells. He only wore uh, four white garments that were made out of linen. Simple, simple, simple tunics. And so on Yom Kippur, the essence of every soul is pure. Because on Yom Kippur, we are all doing teshuva. <laughs> we're all being penitents. We're all doing teshuva. We're all fasting. We're like almost in, in the level of an angel at the moment that we're on Yom Kippur. So at that moment, um, we see that every Jew is a righteous Jew. And so therefore, there was no need to make all this noise because every Jew was innocent and righteous. So the Jewish people are sometimes compared to apples. And sometimes we're compared to pomegranates. And the apples allude to the Jews who have a lofty spiritual level. It alludes to Jews that keep Torah, that learn Torah, that pray, eat kosher, keep Shabbat, keep the mitzvot, give tzedakah, try not to say Lashon Ara, try to be a, a person that is godly, that lives in a spiritual way. And so the apple alludes to, the, to this, to this uh, type of Jew, uh, and the pomegranate alludes to the Jew, the Jew that is spiritually impoverished. And there's something very interesting in Berahot in which the, 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 the sages, Hassan teach, that even the most ignorant amongst you, Israel, are full of mitzvot like a pomegranate. This is why we eat pomegranate on Rosh Hashanah, an apple. We have both of them in the table because the, the, the pomegranate is telling us even if a Jew is far away from his from his essence, he's not connected to God. His nature is a na is a good nature. He's he, he's always helping other people. He's always good, generous. He's always doing mitzvot. He's um, uh, he's merciful. He's loving. If if a person is lacking this, you could even question if this person is Jewish. So meaning that the meaning of the pomegranates allude to the phenomenon that even a Jew who is ignorant of Torah is still full of good deeds. And, uh, and if you see, every time there's a, an earthquake somewhere or a, a tsunami or whatever is going, a volcano or a tragedy, the first 
the first army that comes to save the place to help is the Jewish army. Is the idea they take, get into a plane, they get to the place, they put their tents, they bring doctors, they they're there to help. This is the quality of a Jew. So Rashi, who explains the plain meaning of scripture, says that the pomegranates were strung at the hem of the tunic. For on the surface, according to the plain meaning of a Jew, he's spiritually lacking. Yet even this Jew is full of mitzvot. Even if spiritually he's lacking, he makes noise because he's always full of mitzvot. And, um, and uh, <clears throat> the, the Siha continues by saying that the Rambam, who interprets with a mystical, in a mystical way, with a mystical lens, Rashi is very to the point, and, and the Rambam is a little more mystical, sees that deep down each Jew is innocent and righteous. Like really, in essence, every Jew is righteous because he has an essence, he has the, 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 the pinkelayir, he has a, a divine spark within. And this divine spark is pure and holy, has never done any wrong. The thing is that the animal soul grabs him and takes him around the world and makes him do things, make him partner in crime. So if the pomegranates were for, for the core, if they were there to listen, express the beauty of the Jewish people, then they should be apples for that represents the true beauty of the Jew and that he's never corrupted. But on the other hand, what the whole purpose of this tunic was is, is that a Jew that is returning, a Jew that is doing teshuvah, a Jew that is going back to his essence, to who he really is, to that goodness, in that goodness, it is a noisy uh, endeavor because even if it seems that the tranquil quiet service of the righteous is higher than the clamor of the penitent as it says wherever a Balshuva stands a tzaddik cannot stand because he's in a much higher level imagine a person that leaves all the material pleasures of the world behind and attaches himself to God this is a person that, ha that has left a lot he has given up, uh, given up a lot of things for Hashem but a righteous person he never gave up anything because he's righteous. You know, he never had these temptations of the world as a regular person has. So when a person, a regular person, goes through life with all these temptations that we do have tons of te temptations uh, bombarding our eyes and our ears and our everything all day long and is, is able to turn away from evil and do, go and do good and attach himself to Hashem, then this person is, 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 is in a very, is in a higher level than the, the tzaddik. So his noise is the sound of a person reacher, reaching far beyond his own ability and potential. The noise is, qual, is a quality we should adopt in our own divine service and when we spread Judaism to others. You know, in my teshuva experience, it's noisy. I remember when I made my home kosher, and in Colombia, the gifts that they used to give us 35 years ago for our wedding was a lot of silverware. So the rabbi that came to kosher my home, I like to say the story with Rabbi Amar from Golden Beach, he came and he took all my silverware and he boiled it and he took it to the mikvah and he made it kosher. And I remember when he came back, he came back like at one o'clock in the morning and I was beyond tired. I left everything in the box. The next day when I took all these things out, they were tarnished, they were green. <laughs> they were like, I was like, what happened here? 
and the, obviously everything was wet. He didn't dry anything up. So through the night, the, 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 the silver got tarnished. And uh, I remember I had to go and buy this anti-tarnish and I was cleaning and cleaning and cleaning. It was so noisy because it wasn't just cleaning the, the silverware, it was cleaning my soul. I was cleaning, literally cleaning my soul. I was crying and crying. What's such a noisy thing? It's not that you make a house kosher and that's it. It's like, it was noisy. It really hurt. And, uh, and uh, I read in Mishle something beautiful that it says that Hashem is like the silversmith. And uh, there's a story of these ladies that they were learning this pasuk from Mishlei, and they couldn't understand what it meant that Hashem is like a silversmith, that he takes the, 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 the silver in his hand and he doesn't let it go till it's ready. So one of the ladies said to the, to the friend, says, you know what, I'm gonna go to the silversmith, I'm gonna sit down and watch him work and, and see what this, what this verse means. And she went there and she sat there and she saw that the silversmith grabbed the piece of silver, put it in the fire, took it out of the fire, put it in the fire, took it out of the fire, never let go. She, he never let go. And at a point she said to the silversmith, tell me something, if you wanna have a coffee, you wanna have a break, you wanna, what do you do? Can't you just throw the piece of silver in the fire and come back for it? He says, no, you cannot let go because if you let go, it will get burned. And so she said, okay, and so you put it in, you take it out, you put it in, you take it out. How do you know when it's ready? And so he said to her, you know, it's ready when you can see your reflection. So this is what a Balshuva is. A Balshuva is a person that is tarnished, like that silverware, it's all green, tarnished. And, and doing Teshuvah means that you have to really take that tarnish off and you have to refine yourself until you can see Hashem in you. And this is what the Balshuva does. So this is a very noisy thing. And it's not only noisy for the Balshuva, it's noisy for everybody around. So, so when we see the world in, term, in tumult, when you see that there's so much going on in the world, it's so much change, and over some materialistic pursuit, we should co-opt this same enthusiasm for holy pursuits to further divine awareness in the world around us. So the, the job of Abba is to take all his passions, all his drives, all the things that took him to the left or to the wrong side, I don't, I'm not meaning in a, in a political sense, please, but everything that he did and he, and he, and he accomplished in his life to the material, to the material side, he takes all these drives, all these passions, and he puts them to work on his spiritual side. And this is how we, we are able to take the silver and see ourselves in the, see the reflection of ourselves in the silver. And, um, and so that's it. So when you attach yourself to the commandments, to the mitzvot, and you are attaching yourself to Hashem and you're fulfilling the purpose for which you were created, then you're gonna be able to transform the whole world. So I leave you here. I wish you a blessed week. And remember, live a little higher. Thank you.